podcast Live from Dessau is broadcast from Mitteldeutschland and features all things languages. The show is hosted by our teachers, presenting students and guests from all walks of language learning experiences. Joining us this week for our next episode of Inlingua Podcast, live from Dessau, is a former colleague of mine. Her name is Jayland. She is from Turkey, and we worked together at a private university in Izmir. I think we were colleagues for four years? For two years. For two years. I oh, sorry, two, two years. years. For two years, I was in the dormitory. <laughs> and then okay. I, came to, I came to the main campus for two years. So, Jalen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I'm really surprised and happy at the same time to be here. Yeah, you know, another colleague of ours, Oljai, he put us together. And I always remember there was something different about, I mean, I knew you were a good teacher, but you always talked about traveling. And then I remember having conversations with you about you were getting into couch surfing. And I remember, I don't know, you can tell us, remember the first, <laughs> remember the first couch surfer that came to your apartment in Balchova? What did your father say? Oh, yes. How do you remember such an information? It's amazing. We, we talked about it. I think you were asking me if I had ever couch surfed and I said I hadn't. And you said, well, I think I'm getting into it. And then the yes. next thing I knew, you had somebody living in your family room. And I think your father, I mean, he wasn't against it, right? But he didn't say like, oh, this is a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, in Turkey, it's a bit of a gender thing. Mm -hmm. So um, when there's an adult male visiting your house uh, in which you have your only daughter, who right. is who is already an adult also right. still uh, so he was acting a bit patriarchal for the for very very first time in my life <laughs> so <laughs> but on the other hand yes i was always keen to uh, talk to people from different places with different backgrounds and mm -hmm. connect with them in uh, in different levels and also via some um some websites or forums or uh, applications like coach surfing or other things. So, right. Yes. So at that time when we were talking about that, I think you had had your first major like trip. Had you, had you been to South Africa? Yes, it was, okay. uh, Yes, exactly. It okay. was my first year in the in the university. After uh -huh. the first year, it was the semester, I think, semester okay. holiday. Uh -huh. Yes. Okay, so that's, I mean, I remember you coming back and maybe that's when the couch surfing, I, did you couch surf in South Africa? Yes. Okay. So and as that lady came and visited me in Izmir six months later and she Oh, wait, the other way around. I met her when I was couch surfing in Izmir. So okay. she, she was a couch surfer. And then she said, why don't you come to Cape Town? 
Okay. And I said, when? And then she said, your winter is my summer, so come in winter. Okay. That's how I went and visited her. Imagine you meet a person in your house, you give them an accommodation or anything, uh-huh. and then you end up going to their country. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So does it happen because of languages, of language ability to communicate? It's, it's more uh, that you have the motivation to contact and then you use your language. And as you use it more and more, I think it's like it becomes a nicely done vicious circle. Mm-hmm. It's not a vicious circle, but um, it's a circle. So they feed each other. Your language ability feeds you to contact more and more people. Okay. And then you hear different accents all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get used to them and you get more comfortable. You get more approved by the society or um, you can approve yourself also. And then um, you contact more. Your ability goes higher mm-hmm. and it's, it's an ongoing process. Okay. So since this is a podcast that focuses on language and culture, let's dive in a little bit about your academic background because by... Your degree, you are a ESL instructor. So I, uh, I studied in Cyprus and mm-hmm. I studied BA and MA in English language teaching. Okay. Um, Is Getty's your first job? No, um, no, uh, Getty's is not my first job. Um, I studied in, in total till now in my 12 years of career. I worked in, I think, uh, seven or eight institutions altogether, mm-hmm. and Gedis was one of them. Okay. So I studied in like wherever an English teacher can work in Turkey, mm-hmm. like kindergarten, language schools, vocational high school, uh, private uh, schools, like uh, primary school middle school <laughs> or tuition tuition classes I gave in my first year okay. and then the university. Okay. So what, when did you finish your MA? Like what year was that? It was 2013. Okay. 2013. And then when did you come to Gettys? It was 2016. Okay. No. 15. No, 2000, okay, 2015. 15. But I also started working before my MA. So it's not like I finished BA and then started MA directly. So I started working before that also. Okay. And if I remember correctly, were you working with... There was something that you were doing with like f- mentally challenged kids or deaf kids. There was some kind of speciality <laughs> that you were working with. It was the it was the visually impaired kids. That's right. Um, That's right. Yes, we were uh, working. We were not working on, but uh, I was um, searching some information about mm-hmm. how uh, the vocabulary is learned and taught in the schools mm-hmm. for blind students. Okay. So the, the teachers were also blind. Okay. And um, and this was a case study my MA thesis. Oh, that's right. This was your thesis. 
yeah, your different perspectives or your different research ideas, they've always been very interesting, I think. <laughs> I'd say, I mean, because yeah, I recall these little conversations. unique and challenging, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Getty's closes in like August of 2016, right? Mm -hmm. What happens to you after that? I have been searching for, I had been searching for uh, the ways to go abroad mm -hmm. all, all my adult life, almost all after BA. So um, I realized uh, I should take a step now. And I wanted to take a step before I got 30. So, okay. um, so I prepared myself and people around me. I took six months uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. I got unemployment payment. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. God. <laughs> so then I... I used the backpack you brought from the States. I don't know if you remember. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yes. You had brought me one bag uh, from the States uh, a year before that. It was an Osprey, right? I think it was an Osprey. Yeah. Yes. Cool. And yeah, I now, see, that. I didn't know. See, that's the funny thing. I did not remember yes. that. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Yes. Okay. So... Uh, I took off and I chose, I had to choose a place to go. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to, to go with a one-way ticket. Mm -hmm. And I, this is what I have always wanted. Like I would, in Gedis when I was working, I would take the calendar in the 1st January and I would check the times and uh, holidays and everything. Mm -hmm. If it was four days, I was definitely out of the city. If it was more than a week, I was definitely going abroad. Like okay. I planned everything. I, I was paying for flight tickets only. Like I had a very low life standard actually for a teacher in Turkey because mm -hmm. I would spend my money to travels. <laughs> <laughs> but you were also, so, you were living at home, right? The first year uh, I was with my parents. The second year I had a flatmate who already had a house and I rented a room in okay. the house. Okay. So it was all economical. Okay. That's good. It's good to have friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. yeah, it's February 17. I, December, 2016, mm -hmm. I, booked my tickets for Thailand, Bangkok. Uh -huh. Why Bangkok? Why Thailand? Because I wanted to be far away from Turkey, which I managed, obviously. I cannot visit Turkey now. Mm -hmm. Bravo me. <laughs> and I wanted a place to get in with, with um, no visa difficulties. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't going to be Europe or uh, States or Canada or Australia for me. Right. I wanted a place with low crime rate, hopefully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't going to be South America, um, which I love so much anyway. And the climate is nice. I wanted to wear flip-flops only all year long. And I had some specific uh, wishes before I took off. <laughs> 
I wanted people to smile. I wanted respect and I wanted to get rid of my burnout in teaching with in another culture. And I also remember I wanted a culture to get into a culture which has never occurred to me. Like I have no idea about that culture and I haven't met any person from that culture and stuff. And that happened. Excellent. Not with Thailand, but with Myanmar. <laughs> right. So, okay, tell us, okay, so you bought a ticket, you flew into Bangkok, but you ended up in Myanmar, which is a bordering state? Yes, but not that easy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Bangkok. I started my journey. Actually, I can tell now. It's workaway.info. It's a... It's a website where you find voluntary jobs mm-hmm. for yourself mm-hmm. and you contact people you message them you tell them when you're coming there to their place it can be anything from uh, being a um, mango collector mm-hmm. to a babysitter okay. or to pet sitting or permaculture building houses it can be anything right so in my case it was offering food to buddhist monks Excellent. (laughs) So I stayed in my first temple, Buddhist temple, which was run by women. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's it's one on the only, I think only in Thailand, you see female monks. Normally, there are now no monks in Buddhism. There are nuns if you're a female. Mm -hmm. But this time there were monks and I stayed there for 16 days, no internet, no, I didn't have a SIM card yet in Thailand. And it was like um, a very interesting way of cleansing myself from Turkey for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And um, two more months, I, my visa finished in Thailand. It's monthly visa, free mm-hmm. visa. You, you have a stamp on your passport when you enter the country. And then I had to make a choice. Was I going to go on my tour, Myanmar, Cambodia, Laos, uh, or was I going to extend my visa for one more month? So I decided, okay, I should go to Myanmar. Why? Two magical things happened. One, I met a monk from Myanmar in the place I was staying in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So he said, hey, we have a, in the city of Mandalay, uh, we have a school, Buddhist school. Why don't you come and work with us? You you seem to be very um, knowledgeable and stuff like that. He had a very, very good English. And I said, sure, yes, I was looking for a place. And internet doesn't work in Myanmar. Like, you don't, there is internet in Myanmar, but you don't do your stuff with via internet. You right. have to meet people in person. That's number one. Number two is one of our friends staying there, other volunteers like me. She was from Slovenia. Mm-hmm. She was 19. And she then was ordained as a Buddhist monk. So she they shaved her head and there was a whole ritual for three days. And uh, she was wearing this um, monk uh, cloth now. Mm-hmm. And she gave me Myanmar money, which is Myanmar chet. Okay. She said, I cannot carry money anymore because I became a monk. Monks don't carry money. This is one of the rules. 
So you get, you take this money, you go to Myanmar, you will find it magical. Wow. It was very small amount of money, but I was amazed. I'm like, wow, I have reasons now. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> so I traveled to Myanmar, starting from the south border, very south border. I took the slowest train of the world, 20 kph. From the south all the way to Mandalay City, which is in the north, uh-huh. it took 10 days. 10 days. Not all the time with the train, but sometimes I stayed at a place for two days. Mm-hmm. I visited the biggest city for mm-hmm. a week. So, but it was all on land. Like I didn't fly there. And uh, the first time I got my uh, Myanmar visa, tourist uh-huh. visa, uh-huh. you have to apply for that in Thailand. I was so happy, ridiculously happy. And every time after that, whenever I got a Myanmar visa, I was ridiculously happy. Just happy. I, I was going to go to this magical country again and again. <laughs> so, yes. So what was that experience like? Now that Myanmar is in the news today, like, you know, people will be shaped by one perspective of what they're watching on the news right now. Tell us a little bit about your first impressions when you got there. Well, actually, I met people who has never seen a foreigner before. Okay. Because the country was open to foreigners for the last 10 years only. Right. So they had the democracy for 10 years, but democracy is very, very relative, as we all know. Right. Um, so um, they had the democracy, but they had 25% of the parliament still belonging to the military, mm-hmm. as we see today, like they're in force. Right. So um, things were still happening in the country, like um, uh, everybody heard about Rohingyas, like Arakan Muslims, and uh, that was happening, and people knew that. But um, some people were brainwashed, very racist in Myanmar. Uh, Burmese people, like Turkish people in Turkey, uh, the majority of people are Burmese. Like in Turkey, the majority of people are Turkish. Mm-hmm. So um, um, their uh, military is also Burmese mm-hmm. and Buddhist. Uh, but they're good apples and bad apples. So um, uh, they never wanted the military to go on. So the public people... Most of them, they did not like it. I know they did not because they wanted democracy. And it was the military who who continued doing these things. Um, And that was it. That was my first impression. And people like you, you would go to, you would time travel when you go to Myanmar. Okay. It's not only geographical traveling. You, you go to 100 years ago. Okay. People wash uh, in a sink uh, their clothes and uh, they don't use irons. They, they put it under the sun. It's smooth enough and stuff. Sure. And people are so naive uh, in a good way. Like you will leave a tip. They would run after you, bring your money. They would say, hey, you forgot your money. So yeah. that was the impression. Yeah, it's nice. So you end up, what were you teaching in the monastery? 
Were you teaching English? In the monastery, I started with um, these Buddhist novices. Mm -hmm. So novices are the people, are the kids who want free education. So they come to monasteries to get an education. Otherwise, their families cannot support them. So um, they are novices. And um, I was teaching them some English, like anything in English. And they would sit on their uh, on their knees and watch me, literally watch me for three hours. Mm-hmm. They were set from seven years to 14. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen a seven-year-old sitting for three hours? And yeah. so um, also on their knees, they're used to doing that. Um, so um, they that was it. Okay, so what kind of an... Are they, is the monastery preparing them to go into the monastery? I mean, what what does the curriculum look like? Uh, Very good question. There were so many programs in that monastic school. It was a a big school, like one one and a half kilometer square. Mm -hmm. Like it was a huge school for for such a place. And the city I was had um, one million people. Like okay. it's a big city. Okay. Uh, it's the second biggest city. And um, in that school, there were so many programs. Like this, what I did, voluntary, was just for the uh, kids to be exposed to a foreigner okay. speaking English to them. That's okay. it. So that was the goal. But other programs, uh, later on, I, I worked in a, it was like a language uh, program uh, for adults like Mm -hmm. from young adult like 16 to 24 or 30 Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, like uh, Cambridge exams uh, uh, cats pets and stuff they were doing those uh, books okay that I worked for two months Mm -hmm. and I gave private classes I found some uh, language schools and I worked there and stuff like that and then I started working for a pre-college program, which would prepare the students to uh, apply for the universities abroad. Okay. This is while you're also living at the monastery. I lived in the monastery for two years. Yeah, that's nice. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, living in a monastery, but not being a Buddhist. Like, do you, what's, the, what's your daily schedule look like? I would be a Muslim or Christian and I would still live there and I would be um, covered and that would be okay. That would be viral for them. Like a white Muslim female talking English, that would be like (laughs) out of, like that would break so many taboos for them. (laughs) But I was not that person and I was somewhere in between. So uh, schedule in Myanmar, uh, like, it was a monastic school, so it was not a, not really a temple. Mm-hmm. In a temple, it's completely different. Okay. In a school, it's like Myanmar schedule. So sunrise, uh, I would go to the rooftop, do yoga, salute the sun. <laughs> and then at 7 o'clock, that we would go to tea shop, which is right across the street. Very dirty, very shitty, very uh, bad food, but it was so delicious. 
<laughs> because we would all meet there and people would smile all over. And um, and then you start our classes. Like I had, um, I had to teach uh, one session every day, one and a half hours. And then I was at the office mm-hmm. uh, preparing classes for the other students. Okay. So um, then I would come to my room sometimes, either take a shower or eat something. And then it's just across the street where I lived uh, from the office. So I would always be with the students. Like you get to be with the students all the time because they're also staying in the school, most of them. So you go, to, you can go to the office at nine o'clock, and they would be there and watching some. They would watch Turkish drama, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, you know, it sounds kind of crazy, but do you know what you're describing to me right now? Like you were yes. a good abla. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, from not abla, also anne. I mean, they started calling me mom because they were assigned to me, these 24 kids, and they would have crazy problems. Not like, I cannot focus on my classes. More like, I lost my father. I have three more sisters to feed, like serious, solid problems. And they would come and cry. And, and um, we were always together. And um, they would also help me uh, with the language and stuff. Okay. Ah, the language. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive into that question. Are you at this particular time in this particular, like, you know, life experience, are you, what do they speak? They speak Burmese? Burmese, yes. Are you, are you starting to learn Burmese, like a little bit? I, uh, for the first six months, it feels like a bunch of noise. Okay. Uh, Burmese for you. I'm telling you the stages I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, I started picking up words because I needed to. And also when you speak, you have a huge... Uh, positive feedback from people like they smile all over they give you one more apple or like they they they're super surprised so they're appreciative yeah that's good they're very appreciative so so after six nine months i started writing it down and having an ear whatever people are speaking so it it stopped being a whole bunch of noise Mm -hmm. And uh, I got some got help from some uh, voice voice recordings, teachings of some people and stuff. Uh-huh. And then I started taking classes from a friend of mine who had a tailor shop. She spoke very good English. Mm-hmm. First, she was my student. Then I was her student. Then we yes. were friends. So yeah. yes. So I could get by right now. I can make um, 150, 200 sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tonal language. Mm-hmm. This this is how you say in English, right? Tonal. Right, tonal language. That's right. So there are three tones in Myanmar, in in Burmese, mm-hmm. and um, and right before I left, I had an experience. My friend, that friend of mine, her name is Shui. Shui took me to a Korean restaurant in Myanmar, mm-hmm. and while we were entering the restaurant, the guy said hi in Korean. And I'm like, wow, this is a foreign place. And then I realized uh, whenever I heard Burmese, I felt home. I did not feel 
uh, like it's, it's something foreigner, mm-hmm. uh, it's something foreign for me anymore. Right. So even when I did not understand, I don't understand, of course, like 80% of the things I don't understand, but it felt home. So it's nice. Yeah. That happened when that happens, that makes you feel like that you truly like there's some sort of a degree of integration that you've reached. Yes. And it has nothing to do with the number of the words, you know. No. Yes. I, I, these are these are about life experiences. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which include exactly. language. Yeah. Two years. Was it difficult to leave? <laughs> was it difficult to leave? Um, it was time. Okay. I, I witnessed a lot of a lot of corruption, and uh, sure. there's a point uh, where you think. I cannot make more change than this. This mm-hmm. is the best I can do. And then you're not that tolerant and amazed anymore because so much uh, so much is happening around you. Mm-hmm. And after a while, corruption comes and pokes you as well. It's not something that's happening somewhere there. No, mm-hmm. it's here. Um, I had a few incidents with the school and I did my best and... I had the best satisfaction from my job in my life. Okay. And I could, I cannot be more closer than this to any group of students. I cannot do more change than this in any person's lives. Like I know that. So that was the peak. And then me and my, my partner, my boyfriend, uh, he was also there. Uh, for a long time, we decided to uh, come to Chiang Mai, the second biggest city in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. So you have been living in Thailand since February two thousand nineteen. Okay. So it's it's been more a bit more than two years now. Okay, so you come back to Chiang Mai University. Mm-hmm. after leaving Myanmar and what happens next now you're with well, your partner so, what you, so you you're with, now you're with your partner so decisions. the next is uh-huh. the fact that uh, I I realized back then how, what uh, online work can do to a person because until then I did not do any online work mm-hmm. uh, with any people um, well, so, think about that two years in a monastery. Did you even, I'm sh- sure you weren't even opening up your computer that much, or were you? I was opening it up every day because I was in the office. Okay. I was working okay. in the office and there was Wi-Fi. Okay. But in the times when I was in my room, it was only mo- mobile data. Okay. And that was not limitless. So okay. I wasn't as attached to my phone now. But then, mm-hmm. as I am now, okay, which was very good. Yeah, so that is good. So you come so, back. Good. Yeah. So I came to Thailand, and then it I was back to zero. Like I in Myanmar, I had this huge uh, uh, number of students I knew in two years mm-hmm. inside the school, outside the school. I started giving seminars to teachers. And like some motivational speech, uh, speeches and stuff, mm-hmm. but then I lost it all because 
I changed the country. Then I then it then it then it um, hit me. I thought, okay, I'm I'm an expat. Like I need to create something, create create a reality, which I can carry in my pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> every time I move the move from one city to to the other city or country to another country, it will go away. And I don't want it to happen because I also want to visit Turkey without having limited time of holidays. Like then it becomes the same as in Turkey. I was working and I was counting my holidays. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so here, yes, I needed a work visa. So I found a job, a part-time job mm-hmm. I could do in, in Thailand. And then I started my own online business. Which is uh, we started with an um, Instagram account. Mm-hmm. It the name was Tell Me More. Then I, w- I would interview people. Uh, I would post the videos, but then it was so uh, demanding, you know, to edit a video. And <laughs> for for me, I was learning them all by myself. Wait, okay, and so it was called Tell Me More. Tell me more then. Tell me more. Okay, the Instagram account was telling me more. Like, I would have different guests in uh-huh. the video, right. and I would talk to them about their English learning process, specifically the, about their fears, how they overcame it, do they still feel fearful when talking to a native speaker of English and stuff. Okay. Because I had this, um, this huge um, diversity around me. Like, right. I would have friends from from even Turkey and from from now Thailand, and one from Europe, one from South Africa. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so you started your. It was like a small podcast then, basically. It was an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. I would take the videos, edit them, put it in the account, but then I wouldn't do it um, very regularly. Okay. So I thought, no, I should change it into something uh, in which I will be training people, but I didn't know what. Okay. So. Um, but things changed when I visited Turkey the last time. So I stayed in Turkey for four months, last time I visited. Mm-hmm. And I had this time. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't working. And I started getting awareness trainings. So the first one was self-mastery. Second one was uh, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And these are like solid trainings. Like you really, you really, it really shakes your mind so much. Are these online trainings? Uh, now they're online, but back then I took them face to face. And then there was personal magnetism and stuff. Okay, face to face with who? Face to face with who? Face with uh, with a mentor of mine. Uh-huh. Um, shall I give her name? If you want to. <laughs> well, her name is Bashak Yükselal, and she na- she's now located in Izmir. That's where I met her. Mm-hmm. She had just moved in Izmir, and I had just visited Izmir. So that's a very nice encounter. Uh, so um, the techniques they were, that, were, that were given to me were applicable to language learning or anything, everything, because this is how you want to program your mind to be able to rule it. You want to rule your mind, not the other way around. Okay. So, so then I thought, okay, 
I'm also interested in students' psychological backgrounds. Like uh, I see students everywhere, Myanmar, Thailand, Turkey. I see students who have advanced level of English who are shaking in an exam. They have sweaty hands and stuff. I'm like, what is happening to you? you you're so good. I was so excited, teacher. I couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. Why? It's, they take it as a life or death situation. And there's a reason behind it. The judgments, the sentences, the perception of ourselves. Uh, but then I would see people who have very low English. They would travel the world. They don't have any concerns. So... Mm-hmm. Then I thought, okay, I want to go beyond that. I want to go deeper and uh, I want to, to check where the people are coming from to, to today into the state, into the reality they're in. Okay. So I combined awareness and English learning and that was my new job satisfaction. Like that's, that's something crazy now. <laughs> no, no. So awareness. Okay. Define for our listeners what you mean by awareness. Uh, awareness is um, to know that something is there, like to know that you're judging yourself wrongly, to know that you actually had successes before in your life, you're not a complete failure, <laughs> and uh, to know that um, it's okay to feel unsuccessful, like just to see the perspective just to see what glasses you're wearing when mm-hmm. you're looking at that reality. That's awareness for me. Okay. And how are, how are your students reaching awareness now? Like what kinds of, is this something that's coming from like uh, academia or is it coming from more like spirituality or is it coming for more like meditative? Like where's, where's the background coming from? Yeah, very good question. Actually, it's a it's a very holistic uh, program I developed. Mm-hmm. Um, I developed it with um, it's called um, Awareness in English, mm-hmm. but it has a Turkish name because it was first designed for Turkish students. Okay. But then I ended up giving it to Myanmar students and Thai students as well. <laughs> okay. So, um, so. Um, uh, it's very holistic. Like there are techniques from uh, meditation inside. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are guided meditations. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are techniques from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm-hmm. And there are techniques from um, a systematic imagination, mm-hmm. if you heard, heard that. Um, and what else? Um, um, it's all about knowing yourself, actually. And one of the participants said, uh, Jaden, this is not awareness in English. This is awareness through English. Okay, that's nice. So (laughs) I guess I'm giving awareness through English uh, because the techniques I provide, they they can be used in their own lives. Like I talk to a student, we go to feeling insufficient in speaking English or using English uh-huh. and then we check where this is coming from like what is your first experience of feeling insufficient or we go back to 10 years uh, before that okay and that's a completely different story than learning English but then there's a bigger problem to solve and that's good so from an academic point of view these courses would be 
would be taught in an educational psychology course, right? But then you're taking it to another level because you're bringing in like more of a holistic approach to teaching awareness through English. Yes. Okay. So I would not do anything for the kids or it's not kids, it's adults mm -hmm. for the adults. Like I would not uh, do some uh, energy work behind that. Like I wouldn't heal them or stuff. I could, right. but I don't. It's not what it is. So I give them the key to, to open the locks they have put in their minds long ago. Okay. And I show them how to do that. But And I be there with them when they're doing that. Uh -huh. But they decide which lock to open and when to open it. Okay. So, so this so, is set up through like trainings and courses that you have developed. Yes. Cool. And I have developed it with them. Um, uh, I met Claire. Claire was uh, the, um, the head of um, um, Engelsis Otto. Uh, which is the which is the um, uh, program mm -hmm. in um, in middle middle east technical university in turkey right uh, that program that deals with uh, uh, uh, students with special needs mm -hmm. like uh, visually impaired visually uh, hearing impairment and stuff right so she and i uh, we decided to do something different than teaching english And then we developed a program with a bunch of students from that university. Mm -hmm. And then we tried it. And then we now have a core program in which they reprogram their mind and their reality. Okay. So you're going It's into... neither academic nor yeah, no, but psychological. Like... Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's all from... It's a little from all, I think. No, I'm interested. I might sign up for a course. <laughs> hey, I recently I I boosted the program for teachers as well. I invited teachers of mine, uh, uh, teacher friends of mine, and I'm willing to do it in English with other teachers as well, uh, if I can find them. Mm -hmm. So when you okay, you came back to Thailand, you started this. You had this idea, you, now you've created a curriculum uh, from the Instagram, uh, not from the Instagram, yeah. but they, it evolved from that particular experience, yes. right? Yes. So when did you have, when did you start this idea as a business? Uh, I started as a, it, as a business uh, when I had enough, I have seen enough students mm -hmm which uh, had good enough English, mm -hmm. still felt like a failure. So in linguistic, okay, failure in what sense? Like in learning, in learning English, in, learning in their English. academic life. Okay, so all of this is tied education. into language development. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So um, uh, then I decided to because I saw so much change in myself mm -hmm. after the awareness uh, trainings, but that was not all. I, I would be reading psychology books for the last 10 years and self-help books and all the other things I started. Like I did, I tried all the techniques on myself first. Okay. Then I 
offered it to my students. Okay. Then I only took the ones which works the best for 99% of the people. Okay. So then I wanted to combine them because I'm teaching English mm -hmm. and I'm not satisfied in my job, but I feel really, um, really excited about awareness. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to spend time on teaching English more and more, this is something I know. This is something I can do. I'm, I'm accredited with, like uh, I have the diploma and stuff. So I cannot be a coach. Like I cannot be a life coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not a psychotherapist, but still I could touch lives of my students mm -hmm. and they want you to do that. So um, I wanted to put awareness in English learning for them to have a freer uh, process in learning mm -hmm. English and to find their best selves, like find their best capacity in using English. Okay. So that was the idea. <laughs> no, it sounds like a fantastic, it, it, it sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah. What's been the response? Well, uh, it takes some time, of course, because you're introducing something completely new. Mm -hmm. There is awareness, there is English learning, but they're not together. So you tell people there's this program, they say, oh, is my level good enough? I'm like, no, it's all in Turkish. And they say, what? Why? And then don't you teach English in this program? And I'm like, no, you can learn English in YouTube now. <laughs> you don't need me for that. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't say it. It's my inner voice. Of course. So, <laughs> so um, it was a bit difficult. But then I decided to do it no matter. Like in the beginning, I only had two participants. Mm -hmm. And then I had five. Then one dropped. And then next time I had only two again. Mm -hmm. But I went on running the courses. Like I ran it, ran it, ran it. Like once one finishes, the other one stops. Uh, starts. How so, long is it? so how long is the course? How long is it? It's four plus one weeks, like four weeks, mm -hmm. two hours per mm -hmm. session. Mm -hmm. And one week we give a break. And then the last week, fifth week, we talk about techniques and we create our own story and stuff. And they share like what happened in their life since, since then. So it's five weeks in total. Okay. And so far, your your students, well, when they started off, because it was in Turkish, people mm -hmm. who spoke people who spoke Turkish were the students. They are still the students. So my audience was uh, in Turkey. Like I I did it for Turkish people because I had to choose. First, I thought, okay, I can do it for anyone, but then it's different because then I had to simplify English so much for people who are trying to learn English to give awareness mm -hmm. in English language. And that's a challenge. Yeah. But on the other hand, now I think I will be able, uh, by the way, I will run it for teachers. I already started doing that in Turkish, mm -hmm. but I can easily do it in, in English. And if in English, then English teachers can come and it can be international. Yeah, it opens up a new market. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I do it for business people. like. Okay how they communicate with each other because they, I think they lack soft skills most mm -hmm. of the time. Okay. So, um, yeah. So how long has this project been ongoing? 
good question. Uh, more than a year now, right? It it hasn't been two years. Okay. More than a year. Maybe more than a year. Yes, a little more than a year. Yes, okay. you're right. Okay. I'm in my fifth program. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Are there levels yet to the courses or is it just you offer one course? It's one whole thing. Like um, there, there are no levels. Levels can only be that it can be for teachers or not. Like I can specify it to a certain uh, group of people, but I wouldn't consider it as levels. Okay. There are levels in awareness trainings, but... Mm -hmm. I think uh, you now created a wormhole. Okay, I will think about it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, are you doing, okay, so you have this, it was really innovative idea. You, you know, mm -hmm. you started your online business, right? Basically, mm -hmm. are you teaching in any other capacity in Thailand? Very good question. Um, as my institution did not provide any classes for me, and I was okay, and as I was okay with that because I have two online businesses, mm -hmm. uh, I realized, hey, I have to do something. And with Myanmar, I worked for some for, for one year after I left Myanmar because I could do it online. Mm -hmm. And I have a colleague in Myanmar who has his own online business language business okay so um, business about language okay <laughs> so so but then you know how Myanmar is nowadays no internet and stuff um now with Thai students I have another program speaking club just a speaking program for intermediate upper intermediate students mm -hmm. um and we only speak English and I don't really teach I just open them a safe space for them to be able to make mistakes yeah, it's a conversation. And not, yes, not judge themselves right. and evaluate themselves in a very positive way. So recently I added Thai students. Mm -hmm. I just made it a free course because uh, Thai people are in almost in poverty now, like the economy is very low. So um, now I also added my Chinese students I had before who are in that level. Okay. So that program for intermediate students is um, international. Mm -hmm. So you have Chinese students, Thai students, uh, Myanmar students all together speaking English. Yes. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Not Myanmar students yet, I because they, they're having their own life yeah, or death that's right, situation that's right, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I try to make it international because Turkish students say, hmm, am I going to talk with another Turk? No, I don't want that. And like, why not? I'm a Turkish person. You talk to me. Why not? And then they said, hmm. And I said, okay, now I put international students. Now you have to talk, talk to Thai students. Mm -hmm. How is that? So now they cannot escape. <laughs> <laughs> Thai students are the same. They, they want other nationalities to speak naturally. So. Okay. So how, okay, let me ask you one. Uh, in the conversation course, is there any error correction at all? Very good question. Um, no. Okay. 
unless they want me to. Right. Like unless they hesitate, they speak, and then they like, I don't understand this one. How do I say it? Blah blah blah. Then I say it. But if if a pr- the other person cannot understand, like if if it's a communicative error and they don't understand each other, I medi- mediate. Okay. But I don't necessarily go there and correct them because they want you to correct them. This is what happened for all those years in their uh, educational background. Mm-hmm. But then it it didn't work because uh, it's a practice. They they just need to practice freely. So. So if Chiang Mai University comes back and they give you a course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you start, you know, putting the same, now you have a new approach, not a new approach to language teaching, but a new approach to raising like awareness and teaching English at the same time, right? Would you, incorp- would you incorporate all of this, you know, information into a, university course frankly speaking i already did that okay uh, and i it was a it was a premature decision uh, i um presented the program to my institution mm-hmm. uh, it was the marketing team who listened to me and they did not answer me at all okay (laughs) they didn't even react i don't know if they got it properly but um i also told them i do speaking club like it can be very little amount of money they can join and stuff Mm -hmm. they also didn't answer that i guess uh, marketing a language in thailand nowadays is a bit difficult Mm -hmm. but yes i i am going to do it um if or when uh, I go back to Chiang Mai. I'm not in Chiang Mai anymore. And now I'm on the, on an island in South. Okay, so yeah, um, you said that in the beginning. I, I've so you're living off the mainland. Yes, I'm in an island which is called Koh Phangan, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in the South. Uh, but I will eventually be back, and um, I will make necessary connections with people because I would like to make it international. I don't want it to be only for Turkish people because now I live abroad. Mm-hmm. I can reach other people as well. So okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You've taken you've had so many experiences, man. Think about I mean yes. the, the former colleagues that you had at at uh at Gettys. Okay, who was your closest who was your closest mate? Was it Zainab? No, Fatma. That's right. So, I mean, does she recognize you anymore? She finishes her PhD nowadays. Yeah, like, yeah but um, she should be writing her thesis. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know, but your past four years. Well, we meet in different level, yeah. uh, like in a different frequency with people. When you leave your country, it's a bit difficult to reconnect. But then when you reconnect, uh, it's in a different level and mm. your communication and relationship evolve into something different as that person also permits it to. Uh, so other people, I don't talk anymore. Some other people. Okay. So if I want to look or for anyone who's interested in, you know, this particular course that you're offering, 
how do we find it? Okay, so now everything is in Turkish. Okay. Uh, I will, uh, it's İngilizce de farkındalık. But um, I think uh, after a while, I should make it English. And um, I should also run courses in English. Mm-hmm. But then it will only be for students who have high level of English because they have to understand it. Right. Or it will be for teachers, okay. English teachers. Right. Uh, or it will be only awareness. Okay. Um, but so I, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Yeah. I mean, is this, is this, can this financially like hold you? Is it, is it, are, are you making enough to, you know, sustain your, your livelihood? Uh, not yet, uh-huh. but I also have one-to-one classes, okay. like educational coaching I do. So okay. getting yeah, there. Just... Yeah. And we should talk about, um, we should combine. We can, like, we can um, set a course for the teachers mm-hmm. and um, and we can make it very, very affordable. It's okay. And then we can form new teaching and learning experiences all together. It's almost like running a CELTA course, just different perspectives. No, it's not about techniques. It's about yeah, yeah. How I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not about teaching, but it's about, yeah, raising students' awareness of. I still don't understand exactly what it is, but I think I understand a little bit about what it is. <laughs> so, so we work on the sentences they make about themselves. It can be, I cannot speak English. I am not good at grammar. English is difficult, blah, blah, blah. I mm-hmm. cannot learn English in Turkey. Like these are the common sentences. Right. And you make these sentences, you cannot expect it to happen the other way around because mm-hmm. your mind is programmed to make you live that reality. If you believe you will put your hand in the oven, it will burn, it will burn. Mm-hmm. Not because you believe so, but because you learn so. Uh, and otherwise we would go crazy. Right. So there are some beliefs like that we have to let go. Otherwise, we cannot proceed. And we've worked on, we work on the sentences. We work on then negative memories we had in the past. Okay. We reprogram them and rewrite them in our minds so that they don't come and ha- haunt us uh, in present time. Mm-hmm. And we form... Um, use systematic imagination and we form uh, future realities for us to okay. be in. Okay. So this is what we do. Okay. No, it sounds fascinating. And you're getting good feedback. Yes. And I, I never know what changes will happen in that, in that person's life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing. You do something, you, you never know the outcome. Like you don't have a curriculum outcome. You cannot. Everybody has a different path in their life. So one gets out of depression. The other one applies for a scholarship she has been scared of. Mm-hmm. And the other person finds a um, um, colleague to speak, practice English with all the time. So, 
So do you think this interest was sparked when you, okay, maybe as, as teaching, of course, in Turkey, but when you left, because you've sort of been on this like awareness journey in a, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because you said something earlier, you said, it's okay if you don't, if you're not, you know, if you have a low proficiency in, in English and you want to travel the world, right? I mean, I would argue that your experience might be, I don't want to say less fulfilling, but from a, from a communicative perspective, if you're not going to have that many interactions because you cannot speak English, something's different. It's going to be something's, that journey is going to be different, right? Than if you mm-hmm. could communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but since like, you know, you went from here to there and then up there for a couple of years and now back down here, then back down. And what happened to you in Turkey when you went back and then you meet Bashak and things sort of like click. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that when you, is that when you started thinking about the idea? Like, okay, this is something that I, I really want to start to investigate and learn more about. Okay, so mm-hmm. in the awareness training, you get some techniques and you apply it to your life and you change and you want to keep doing that. Uh, how you can do that? You can get trainings or you can give trainings mm-hmm. because the, the trainer also goes through a program. Okay. So I'm also learning. Right. So I thought, uh, okay, I want to make it more and more. I want to focus on awareness. But how I can do that is the most time I spend is my um, my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have to make money. I, I work. I, I like connecting with students. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so I will multiply awareness in my life while I'm providing it to other people. Okay. Because in every program, whatever the other, uh, whatever uh, the other uh, um, student uh, speaks, it's something I should be hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never a coincidence that I get perfectionist people in my programs. Why I was one of them. It's not a. It's not a coincidence that I get people who feel insufficient in their English progress because I was one of them. I'm still one of them sometimes. So um, this is how I chose to unlearn the programs I have been um, suggested when I was growing up. Okay. So I want to go on my unlearning by providing to other people as well. Okay, I got that. I mean, this is deep stuff. It is. But it's yes. good. It is deep, but it's good. I mean, you can choose to unlearn mm-hmm. or you can be forced to unlearn or learn. And change happens all the time. You can choose to change <laughs> or it will be uh, on your face. And this is what I experienced. Mm-hmm. That's true. When are you going to go back to the mainland? Are you on vacation um, or something? Mainland. Um, 
Well, uh, it's an indefinite time now because I don't have to go back. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, um, um, I miss the sea so much because I was 15 hours away from the sea. Okay. You know, Thailand is a very long country. Mm -hmm. People think, oh, she's in a tropical country. It's not that I'm half half, half an hour away from the sea wherever I go. It's It has a mainland and stuff. And uh, so... Um, Right now, I feel pretty stable, mm -hmm. uh, and I like it. So, okay. so that I can work more on my brain and uh, on my programs. Can you see the water from your house? No, that was a bit more expensive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't see the river from here either, so it's okay. So good. So you're I'm, not jealous. No, no, no, I'm not jealous. <laughs> you're fairly comfortable there. Like, do you see yourself? I mean, now that that, I mean, yeah, your business is more or less going online, shifting. To, okay, so let's talk a little bit over that. Like shifting to online teaching. Has that? Hmm. How does that make you feel? Like I'm still driving to a couple of companies. And I really like that. I like getting in the car. I like going to the company. Like John Sue's courses have all been online. And then the rest of my classes are online. But mm. I still like sitting down in a, you know, in an office or in a classroom and, you know, seeing somebody like physically. I know. Oh, I think it's because I'm, because, you know, when I teach, I, I go off topic so many times and there's, you know, I, I think I'm charismatic and I have, you know, more like body movements and language and stuff like that. But like sitting behind a computer for six hours, I've done it. Have you seen like, you, like with your Turkish students, it's exhausting. Um, well, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds a bit miserable, but you get used to it. Mm -hmm. And also um, I try to make it kind of fun for myself. Like okay. I... Um, I go swimming in the mornings and I can visit a beach right before my class. Mm -hmm. And that's thanks to online teaching. Uh, and I can have a um, person from different parts of the, of Turkey and mm -hmm. Thailand and Poland at the same time in my current program. Right. How do they meet each other otherwise? So I have a split mind about that. Like, should I really like it? Like, is it an opportunity or something that was forced to us? So, I mean, that sense, I see your point. I mean, certainly you can bring more people from different backgrounds, from different time zones into the same Zoom session, no doubt. Hmm. What do your parents think about all this? Um, my mother still cannot deal with the fact that I'm living abroad. Mm -hmm. My father is okay with me. Actually, he is working with me in the other business. So okay. we are, we are business partners now. I'm really happy about that. Um, my What's father is happy that I'm here. Okay. What's the other business? You said it like three or four times. Like, can you tell us? Oh yeah. I am uh, working in an international, not in, but with, with an international company, uh, which, which does e-trading mm -hmm. on 
uh, a wellness products. Okay. Interesting. So it also happens to be in Thailand, mm -hmm. in Turkey, in mm -hmm. Europe, and it's an American company. Company. So okay. I'm lucky in that. Like I can do it here. Well, good luck to that business venture. And uh, Scott, good. I will have to leave now okay. uh, because I have a meeting in three minutes. Something okay. Online. Let's wrap it up then. Like, um, well, Jalen, I'm so happy to, to reconnect with you. And I'm really happy that you, you know, agreed to be a, a guest on our podcast. I wish you the best of luck. And um, yeah, let's keep in touch. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott, for having me uh, because um, uh, it's, a, it's a different platform you guys created mm -hmm. and it has a different frequency and um, it looks like you're doing diversity. You're talking about diversity of things in these podcasts right? and I'm happy to be part of it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Enlingua Podcast, live from Dessau. We hope you stay tuned for more episodes.